welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Really excited to be able to talk to you again this week, to be able to delve a little bit deeper on the journey that you are on in regards to being a dad to your daughter. And every week, I love being able to talk to new people, to bring you new people, to learn about different experiences that they've had, but also learn about different resources. And today, we're going to be doing both of those things. I'm going to be introducing you to a brand new dad to the show, but also providing you some additional insight into a a resource that's out there that is out there helping fathers be better fathers in many different ways. And I'm really excited about that. Christopher Brown is with us. He is the president of the National Fatherhood Initiative. We're going to learn more about that today. He's been at the National Fatherhood Initiative for over 22 years. So a long time. And we're going to be talking about that as well. But Christopher, thanks so much for being here today. Well, thanks, Chris, for having me. I appreciate uh, the invitation and I'm honored by the invitation. I'm really excited to have you here. And you are a father of two daughters yourself. I always love talking to dads with daughters, as you might guess with the name of the show. And I always love starting the show with an opportunity to turn the clock back in time, because I know your your daughters are in their 20s. So we're going to turn it way back. Talk to me about what was going through your head when you first found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter. Well, the first thing that went through my head was what had been going through my head uh, since I married my wife, Kayla, which was, what am I going to do when I become a dad? Regardless of whether it was a daughter or a son, what am I going to do? Because I grew up in a father absent home. So my father was with my brother and me physically until I was a senior in high school, but he was completely absent emotionally, psychologically, spiritually from our lives. And so I really didn't have a good role model growing up. And I didn't have really anyone in my sort of sphere of influence or my network growing up that stepped in to be a a father figure. So I was kind of clueless. And so, you know, I think as I approached fatherhood and learned that uh, Kayla was pregnant, that we were pregnant and preparing, once I learned that I was going to have a daughter because we were a couple that wanted to find out the sex of the child ahead of time. I actually was a little more comfortable with that because, you know, I was close to my mom. had developed a very good relationship with her. I had plenty of female friends growing up, and so I was very comfortable around women. And so I was actually probably a little more comfortable with the notion that I would have a daughter than I would have a son. Now, as I mentioned, you have two daughters, and they are now adults themselves and making their way in the world. As your kids grew up and as you grew with them, many times when I talk to dads, there there's some fears in raising daughters in regards to what they don't know. And I guess as you think about raising your daughters, what was your biggest fear in raising daughters in society? I think my biggest fear was whether I could help them to become independent women. So we, you know, when I heard your, your intro to the show and focusing on dads with daughters for the purpose of helping dads raise independent women, that was really a goal of mine because my mother was very independent. She had a career, she had a master's degree, uh, and she did all of this at a time when a lot of women did not do those things. And so, you know, as a consequence, I wanted to make sure that because I 
revered her so much that I also was able to raise independent women who would be able to, you know, go out on their own and, uh, and be successful in whatever area that they wanted to. But yeah, I wasn't sure I could necessarily do that. So I felt like I had a lot to learn about how to raise independent women. And that was what's my greatest fear was that I would fail at that. So let's talk a little more about that, because your daughters are adults now. And being that that was a fear of yours, I'm sure that you had to double down and you had to figure things out along the way. What were some of the things that you did to try to help your daughters to be strong, independent women that they are today? Well, I think one of the things that I relied on, Chris, most often was what research shows that dads are very good at typically, which is helping my daughters to take calculated risks, pushing them out into the world so they experience the world on their own uh, with my guidance, with my wife's guidance, certainly, but not hovering over them to the extent that we insulated them from learning from their own experiences. And I think that's one of the gifts that fathers bring to the parenting equation is this tendency that most men have to want to help their children, regardless of whether they're daughters or sons, to experience the world on their own, taking calculated risks and not jumping in to save them when they experience hardship, but being there to support them as they learn how to navigate life. And I think that's one of the most essential things that dads can do to help their daughters and and their children in general to learn how to navigate the world on their own so that eventually when they're ready to leave home, hopefully at 18 or 17, (laughs) that they're ready to tackle the world and not have to rely on their parents for guidance and for for help and for support. So as you have the conversations with your daughters today, as they are out in the world, what do they say back to you in regards to what helped them most in regards to bring them to where they are today. Have you had those conversations? We have. In fact, I'm thinking of a conversation that uh, my older daughter and I had on a, I live in central Texas. And so my daughters played club soccer and they were on traveling teams. So they were very good soccer players and they traveled all over the Southern part of the U.S. and and in some cases, different parts of the U.S. to uh, play in soccer tournaments and whatnot. And Uh, This was actually the last soccer tournament that my older daughter played before she went off to college. And we were driving up to Oklahoma City and we just started to have this conversation. And I just straight out asked her, her name is Alexis. I said, Lexi, what is it that you've learned from me that's really helped you to, you know, as you take this next step in life and you go off to college? And she just, you know, she started to rattle off some lessons that I had taught her, some very specific things that you know, frankly, Chris, I didn't remember saying, (laughs) but things that I would kind of repeat over and over again. And so it was sort of the little things that we dads often don't think of that we continually reinforce with our children that makes the most impact. It's not necessarily the one-off thing that we say, but it's the things that we, the lessons that we teach them on a consistent basis as they grow up that have the biggest impact. And, you know, each of those lessons that she recited back to me, Chris, centered around independence, you know, things like finances. So for example, you know, when she got her first job, she came to me and was talking to me about, okay, so, you know, what do I need to do in setting up my 401k with this new company that I'm a part of? Coming back to me and and asking me about, 
those kinds of financial things that I would talk to her about as she grew up. So that's just one example. I love that. Now, having two daughters, a lot of times when you have multiple kids, you have to find those special connections. You've got to be able to build those special connections to be able to work with each child in a little bit unique way. That's especially true. I know in my own family, I have two daughters myself that are very different in the way that they look at the world, the way that they approach the world. And I have to understand who they are uniquely. So in raising your daughters, what were some of the things that you did with both of them uniquely that helped you to build that relationship? Sure. So with my older daughter, Alexis, um, we really connected around sports. And so even though she eventually focused on soccer as her sole sport, uh, as she aged, I mean, she was involved in lots of different athletic activities growing up. And so we really connected around those things. And so we would watch football games together. We would watch soccer games together. We connected around that because I'm athletic and I played a lot of sports as well. For my younger daughter, we really connected around things like books and reading and intellectual pursuits. And also as she got older, we really connected around common interests in movies and television shows. And so we would often watch movies and television shows together. So there were things that I could do with each of my daughters, you know, spending that that unique alone time that's so important for dads to spend with each child and do those things around different times. And there were also some overlapping areas. So, I mean, my younger daughter also played soccer and she's interested in sports and my older daughter's interested in some of the similar types of of movies and TV shows that my younger daughter and I are interested in. So we were able to spend that alone time together around those shared interests, but with each of them, but because all three of us have shared interests together that overlap, uh, we often spent time together, the three of us, if that makes sense. But you're absolutely right. It is critical that dads understand the importance of helping their children develop their unique personalities or unique gifts so that they can chart their own path rather than trying to force their children along the same path. That just doesn't work and that can lead to problems. So talking about paths and the role that fathers can take in helping their children to be able to find the paths that they're on. Talk to me about that in the journey that you had to go on. Your daughters are adults now. And as I know, and I'm sure you know, I mean, as your children get older, you, as you said earlier, you kind of have to give them more and more opportunities to be adults. And A lot of that comes into as they start to pave that path for themselves as they look at their future. What did you have to do to be able to help them to find that path for themselves as they are moving into and further into adulthood? And tell me more about that. Well, I think it uh, boils down to sort of two things. One is the ability for a father to spot sort of the innate interests and gifts that your children have. So being willing to be open to whatever interests your child has and then helping your child nurture those interests. And so that's what uh, both my wife and I did early on was we had lots of conversations about our daughter's interests that started to show up when they were very young, you know, as toddlers. They started to gravitate towards certain things, certain interests. And then secondly is challenging our children. And I challenged my daughters to explore different things. So not to silo themselves so early on that they cut themselves off from other experiences, 
And I encourage them to explore other things, you know, other paths uh, from the perspective that, okay, if you go down this path and you start to experience these things and you really don't like them, then don't go down that path, but at least give yourself an opportunity to explore them. And so I would expose them to things that they didn't necessarily express an interest in, not that I would expose them to things where they said, I am absolutely not interested in that. But some things that they hadn't thought about, some of which they found interesting and some of which they didn't. So it was the ability to both spot those innate interests and help them nurture those uh, and then expose them to other things that they may not have thought about, uh, some of which they developed an interest in. So let's talk a little bit about your organization. You are the president at the National Fatherhood Initiative. You've been there for almost 23 years. And I found it interesting, your background in anthropology leading into working in a fatherhood-based organization. So talk to me, let's go back in time again and talk to me a little bit about the journey that you went on to go into this organization and what led you to this organization initially. Really two things, the personal aspect that I shared at the outset of our time together, Chris, which is, you know, I grew up without an involved father who eventually left home physically when I was in high school. I wasn't involved in, in my life at all. In fact, uh, he was very clear about not wanting to be involved uh, in my life or in the life of my brother, which, you know, oftentimes a, a father will not be involved in, and not really communicate why he's not being, wants to be involved. But my dad did communicate why he didn't want to be involved. And in fact, he uh, said to my brother and I eventually that he didn't want to be a father. He never wanted to be a dad. So you can imagine the impact that that had on me emotionally and spiritually. So I wanted to ensure that as few children grew up with that experience as possible, which helped me eventually land with National Fatherhood Initiative. And then the second part of it is when we look at the social ills that we face in this country, particularly around poor child outcomes, whether that be living in poverty, experience substance abuse or alcohol abuse, poor performance in school, criminal activity, even suicide. I mean, there are just a number of poor outcomes that are related to father absence. Father absence is at the core, at the foundation of so many of those social ills. And so starting in 1960, we started to see a rapid rise in the proportion of children growing up in father absent homes. And that's absent biological father, step or adoptive father. And we saw as a concurrent rise in these of poor outcomes for children. And so there's this huge body of literature, some of which has been developed within the field of anthropology around the increased risk to children when they grow up in a father absent home. So as I gravitated towards anthropology, not because of the father absence issue, but just because I'm very interested in anthropology, I decided that I wanted to not practice in academia but practice out in the field, so to speak, as what's called a practicing anthropologist. And so I went to a program specifically at the University of South Florida that trains anthropologists to work out in the world, whether that be in the for-profit community or in the nonprofit community. And because of the personal aspect and the anthropological aspect, I eventually learned about National Fatherhood Initiative and applied for a position back in uh, 1999 to start an office in Texas that would eventually launch a statewide initiative funded by the office of then Governor George Bush. And that eventually grew into a role working nationally. And eventually I became president of the organization. And so 
you know, a lot of the solutions around what we do to build capacity in communities to help organizations more effectively engage fathers in their children's lives. I brought a lot of my anthropological training to that work, both in terms of the programs and resources that we have brought to bear and just the larger writing I do through our blog and other venues that help highlight the cultural aspects of American society that have led to this rapid increase that we've seen in the proportion of children growing up in father-absent homes. So for fathers that have never heard of the National Fatherhood Initiative, let's take a step back. And I know that you said this organization has been around for a very long time, but this organization has some specific goals. Talk to me about those goals, what you're doing to be able to broaden the discourse of conversations, but also programming for fathers. One of the things for for dads to understand, and, and any listener that you have to understand, is that we are a capacity building organization. We do not serve dads directly. Instead, our business model focuses on building capacity in human service organizations that operate in communities and serve families day in and day out to more effectively engage dads. Because what we have in our culture, Chris, is an infrastructure that focuses on improving maternal and child health. And that's very important, right? I mean, we want moms to be healthy. We want children to be healthy. But the vast majority of human service organizations have not taken what we call a whole family approach. They've left dads out of the equation, in part because our culture, until just very recently, has devalued the role of the father. In fact, uh, the majority of Americans, until recently, saw the father's role as superfluous, that dads are nice to have, but not necessary. And we still see elements of that in our society today. Fortunately, most Americans these days, and we know this through research that we've done and others have done, see dads as being very important. They just don't often know why they're so important. And then they also don't know what can we do to engage dads in a more holistic way beyond just being financial providers. How can we engage dads emotionally, spiritually, intellectually in the lives of their children so that they are taking a holistic approach to their involvement? And so rather than trying to serve fathers ourselves, which would be very difficult from a business model perspective, we have focused on creating tools, evidence-based programs that research has shown increased father involvement and training organizations on how to run those programs in communities. And then other resources as well that help them understand what do we need to do as an organization to change the culture of our organization so that we take a whole family approach and understand how do you work with dads differently? How do you get them engaged in programs and services? Because it's very different approach in working with dads than moms. So we have a range of capacity building trainings, both that we do in person and online to provide basically everything that an organization needs and staff in those organization needs to start from scratch in engaging dads and then increase their capacity over time so that they are engaging fathers as effectively as they're engaging mothers. So we have thousands of partners across the country in virtually every community, certainly every major urban area in the country, but in many rural areas that run our programs, that use our resources. And so when dads do come to us directly, and we have lots of dads who do that because they find us 
through an internet search or they get referred to us, we typically will refer them back to one of our partners in the community or some other national resources that can help meet their needs, but typically refer them back to one of our partners in their community or multiple partners so they can get what is often required, which is sort of that in-depth day-to-day help that they need to be involved in their children's lives. So we have two websites, Chris. We have our main website, which is fatherhood.org. That's just fatherhood.org, where people can come and learn more about National Fatherhood Initiative and what we do. Our second website is our e-commerce store. That's fathersource.org, S-O-U-R-C-E, fathersource.org, which is where we house all of our programs and other resources that we provide to organizations that work with fathers and families day in and day out. So one question that comes to mind is that as you are partnering with all of these different organizations, what process does your organization go through to vet the programs and be able to find, do these initiatives meet with the standard or meet with the the things that as an organization that we are trying to promote for fathers? Well, what we do initially is make sure that there's a match between our mission, Chris, and theirs. That's, that's the key. So we don't have specific standards or guidelines that you may see in other fields that put somebody on a very narrow path that says, this is the only way that you can do this work. There are multiple ways that organizations can effectively engage dads from what we call a very low intensity to a very high intensity. And there are lots of different ways to do that. They may run a traditional fatherhood program where they bring groups of dads in and they take them through one of our evidence-based programs, or they may do an entire community-wide initiative where they get lots of buy-in from different sectors in their community and launch, let's say, a citywide or a countywide fatherhood initiative. So what we do is we enter into a dialogue with these organizations around what they have the capacity and desire to do with engaging dads. And so we provide a range of resources that help them to engage dads more effectively, regardless of how they want to go about doing that, the types of dads that they want to work with, the level of engagement that they want to to do. So we have an approach where we work with them to customize a solution for them that will work within the confines of their organization and within the community in which they operate. And so that can look very different from one organization to another. Although depending on what they want to do, there are paths that we suggest that they go down. And most of the time they go down that path with us. But organizations are at different levels of what we call stages of adoption. So in some cases, they are just starting out. So we have tools to help them just start out with the work. In some cases, they've been doing work with fathers for years, but they find out about us and the additional resources we have. And so they may be able to jump right into running one of our more in-depth programs, whereas another organization is not ready for that yet. Well, I really appreciate you sharing this, and it is a great resource. I love that right on the website, there are some free resources that are right there where you can go onto the website, and we heard the links, but the website that I'm looking at right now is fatherhood.org, and on that, there is a link right at the top that says free resources, and if you go there, you can definitely look, and um, there's some definite amazing resources right there, one of which is find a fatherhood program. So you can go right there and look to see what some of the fatherhood programs that the National Fatherhood Initiative offers, but you can also 
kind of explore some of the other things that are on the site as well, just to be able to learn a little bit more about the services. I just want to say thank you, Christopher, for all the work that you've done over the years to change the, the the dynamic, change the discourse, and get more people to to talk more openly about fatherhood and what that means and what it sh- and what it should mean in our society. I completely agree with you that that over the years there has been a devaluing of fatherhood. I'd like to see that in the media we're starting to see some changes in the way that you see engaged fathers sometimes you, it's like two steps forward two steps back depending on the show that you're watching or the portrayal but i think there's been definitely more conversation that's been out there because of the work of the national fatherhood initiative so thank you for all the work i appreciate you being here and i appreciate you sharing your own journey in fatherhood and i will definitely link in the notes today where people can go to be able to access your site and your resources as well. Well, thank you, Chris. I really appreciate the kind words about our work. And once again, honored to be a guest on your podcast today. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons, we make the meals, we buy them presents. Bring your A-game, cause those kids are growing fast. The time goes by just like a dynamite blast. Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men. Get out and be the world to best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be